The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Tear? Sarah Jane? Hello and welcome to the Doctor Who pod with Sai and Dan. I am Sai, coming to you from what is effectively just a bloody icebox in Gloucester at the moment. It is freezing down here. And joining me as always to talk Peter Davison's first ever story this week is a slightly gruff but sexy sounding Dan. How you doing, mate? Oh, I'm husky in more ways than one today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was at the wrestling last night, got a bit overexcited. Few too many pints, a bit too much shouting, so the voice might be in and out. But I'm here, and I'm looking forward to getting to the getting into this a bit of Castro Valve. Indeed, indeed, it's going to be interesting. This is a lot of change for Doctor Who, actually, when this first aired, which was the January of 1982. So 42 years ago this month could have been 42 years ago, pretty much to the day of the podcast. But we fucked up the running order, so never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, several changes the obvious one being of course tom baker is out peter davison is in the normal saturday night time slot for doctor who is no more this was broadcast twice in a week on monday and tuesday evenings which is the first time since the show's launch in 1963 that had happened uh and also, the casting is different. This is the first, well, the episode one of Castro Valva is the very first episode of Doctor Who where the Doctor is listed in the castings as the Doctor. Previously to this episode, it has always been Doctor Who. And it would stay this way right the way through the rest of the show's classic run. But then oddly, when Eccleston came in for New Who, he was cast as Doctor Who. And it was only changed again when Tennant came in at Tennant's request, which I find quite funny to think of now, really, Dan. Yeah, that's all a bit odd, isn't it? I never knew that. Um, mm. Why would the why would they call the character Doctor Who? I just don't get that. It's, see, to me, it's always just been the Doctor. Yeah. So why would it be Doctor Who in the credits? Weird. Well, with the original run, with the classic run, I can quite, you know, especially like the Hartnell era and stuff like that. It is different to everything else, isn't it? It's the, the, the first season or two, the Doctor is still, you know, they're finding their way with this character and everything's developing and so on. I mean, the, the Doctor, it, it, William yeah, Hartnell, is com- completely different from the first series to when Hartnell leaves. So they're still finding their way, and to call it Doctor Who on the casting, okay, that's again, they're still trying to sort, of, they're treading new ground, aren't they? The one that gets me. And I suppose following on from that, it's just force of habit. It's always been Doctor Who. So they keep it up as just always being Doctor Who until they changed it here. The one that gets me is when New Who began. 
and Eccleston was referred to as Doctor Who on the credits. That's a puzzling one for me. Yeah, there's no real excuse for it in uh, in you. It's, it's been established long enough. You know why go back to it? It's unless it was done intentionally as a bit of a throwback for the first season. And but then, like you say, it's a David Tennant's request. So uh, it's, yeah, it's just well, a bit somebody made Tenet a decision. Tennant brought back Doctor, out. didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Anyway, Castro Volva, the uh, 1982 <laughs> serial begins with. Well, a flashback to the end of the last season. We see Baker regenerating again, don't we? Before the intro actually kicks in, which I think is quite a nice touch, Dan. Yeah, I think it was necessary as well. You know, people might have not watched for a little while or just as a nice reminder, it could be people's first episodes. You know, you think, oh, I'm going to give that Doctor Who go thing, thing a go now that, you know, they've got somebody new coming in. Uh, so you want to see how it's gone on there. And my first thought watching this, because I've not seen Legopolis. I don't know how it comes about. I don't know how the regeneration happens. Um... But he kind of put into perspective all the conversations that I've seen around the bi-generation and, and bits and pieces like that and Russell T. Davis messing with the regeneration. Because who the bloody hell is the Watcher? What has what that? What has the Watcher got to mm. do with any regeneration sort of thing? Because I don't believe we've seen it before or since. No. The, the, apparently the plan was for the Watcher to be... Uh, more more prominent being being who more going forward this was going to be written in and be part of doctor who going forward uh and the watcher well you, you hear it in the, in the regeneration scene you go oh the watcher is the doctor all along <clears throat> excuse me mm. and the theory being that it's a future version of the doctor or an alternative timeline version of the doctor uh coming in and then helping them regenerate into the next version of the doctor but again all this is just you know internet waffle i guess but the idea was that it was going to be it was going to be a maybe not a prominent character but a reoccurring thing going forward but it just never happened and throughout logopolis we do see the watcher popping up here and there throughout this so it does make sense he's not just suddenly turned up in the last scene it it does make sense going going through the story if you know what i mean yeah, I was going to say, it's obviously something that's happened in that serial. But outside of mm. that, I've, I've got no knowledge of it. But then obviously my yeah. part of the point of this podcast is that my my classical knowledge is uh, is very, very slim. So, yeah, I was just a uh, little confused. That might say it just puts the more recent regeneration discussions sort of really into perspective, to be quite honest. Because yeah. as far as it goes, this you know, this is a bit of an odd one. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah, so, so, um, and Ghost turns, Ghost turns up as a kip in Tom Baker's body, and all of a sudden he's Peter Davison. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, we begin then, I guess, with, with, with the new intro playing and, and all that sort of great stuff, with an alarm going off and lots of running about. Um, we have the companions here, and a, a lot of companions. This is a this is a big TARDIS team, so to speak. We have um, Adric, the piece of shit, Nissa, and Tegan, and um, they are. <laughs> so it tickles me every time. <laughs> they are basically now trying to carry the Doctor back to the TARDIS after the big fall that has caused this regeneration. Uh, Davison is obviously still wearing Baker's costume, which I thought looked glorious on him. Um, there's an alarm going off and there's guards chasing them. The Doctor stumbles and falls because, like I said, he's just regenerated. He's a bit of a mess and so on. Uh, the guards arrive and uh, basically they're kind of arresting them, taking them captive, aren't they? 
um, and an ambulance is turning up as well because yeah. obviously they've seen a guy fall from the from the height of that that, that huge uh, that huge structure that the doctor fell from. And then we get Adric just being a pompous little prick, don't we? No, but there was a great line from Tegan in this when she said, "Take your hands off me. This is an official uniform." When she's, yes. <laughs> I think she's wearing her air hostess uniform. Yeah, I was I was going to mention about the, the the uniform actually. There's a comment in this in this story where Nissa, I think, I think it is Nissa, turns to Tegan and suggests going to get changed because they've got a wardrobe full of clothes and so on. But she does this whilst wearing the same clothes that she has worn since getting on the TARDIS a, a couple of stories ago. <laughs> and then you also look at Adric. He's always in those manky, brown, orange, weird... You know, it, looks, it looks like Adric's gear with the little tinfoil star he's got it looks like what you used to make in junior school when it was time to do your Christmas play and your parents was going to come along and watch and you had to make your own costumes and so on. That, that's what Adrix always reminds me of. And then Tegan spends a great deal of her first few event, well, her first few adventures in, in the TARDIS still wearing that air hostess's uniform. And it's just incredibly unpractical. And I just look at them and I think, what, what do they do? Do they have a washroom on the TARDIS? Do they literally just all strip off, wash their clothes and put them all back on? Or are they just constantly wearing the same clothes all the time? Because the, the doctor, we had a conversation, didn't we, about the, on last week's uh, show with regards to mm. uh, the new doctor, uh, Shooty, changing his clothes from episode to episode, maybe, and so on. But in the past, doctors have had like a set look. So the doctor, I, mm. I'm completely fine with. But the companions, I don't mind at all the companions changing up their gear, you know? <laughs> More side contradiction. Well, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think um, I think there's I think there's going to be a split. Here. I think Nissa and Tegan are probably washing their clothes, um, and maybe occasionally washing Adric's. But let's be fair, Adric's meant to be like a teenage boy, mm. so there's every chance he's just wearing the same clothes day after day. And the, those trousers started out as white, and just got yeah. gradually more stained across his time in the TARDIS. Yeah, and I bet as well when they do take their clothes into the washroom, Adric's peeking through the door, you know, and when oh, the yeah. He's sneaking over there and having a sniff of Nissa's gear, isn't he? He's having a whiff of Tegan's, uh, Tegan's clothing just when they're not around. You know Stanking that's like a monkey in a mango tree. <laughs> I've got a star for masturbation excellence, mathematical excellence. <laughs> <laughs> Masturbational excellence. Oh, man, that didn't take long, did it? What are we, 10 minutes in? <laughs> oh, dear. Man. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway um the moment has been prepared for <laughs> to your surgery um tegan <laughs> Dear me. Oh, tegan basically steals the ambulance which is great i love this yeah tegan's brilliant yeah, yeah. <laughs> the doctor's been put in the back of the ambulance tegan robs it nissa gets in and they're all shouting adric get in but adric's a prick and, and misses the misses his lift doesn't he basically well he, he's he's true He's been held by the guards because he's, he's been bollocking on about being an alien intelligence. Because one thing you want to tell people who are looking for alien intelligence is that you are, in fact, alien intelligence. Yeah, and he does it in such a horrible, smug, bastard way. He's like, Ooh, well, this is what you're looking for. Here we are. Fuck off, Adric. Yeah. Look at me. I'm very important for naming them in here. Yeah. You shit haircut. You just want to punch him in the face. Pants. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Look like a juice stained Gallagher brother. 
<laughs> oh dear me. Um, Tegan drives to the TARDIS, gets the Doctor in there, and so on. Yeah, all of ten feet away. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not like it's a long distance, is it? I'm, I'm fairly certain Adric, if he really went for it, could have made it to the TARDIS before the ambulance. It might have been too long over. Well, uh, yeah, we'll get to that, won't we? Um, <laughs> uh, as this is going on, the Master's TARDIS arrives, looking like a column of some sort from Greek or you know Roman uh, times past. And we get the, the Tegan screaming, Adric, where are you? And so on, wondering where they are. And the, the Master's TARDIS then disappears, and Adric is... Is just knelt down behind it almost, isn't he? Yeah, it's an odd one. You just yes. well, because oh, first of all, there's like a Roman column just in the middle of the of the thing, and you know we now know that Tadis have a perception filter, so it's entirely possible that people never saw it. But yeah, he's just there as if he was like as if he'd been squatting down taking a shit. Mm, yeah, in his pants. Well, he's knelt down, isn't he? So perhaps he was noshing off Anthony Ainley around the back of his TARDIS. Because as this serial goes on, it, it, it's almost like Adric does want that to happen. You know? <laughs> Masturbator and commander. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Master's TARDIS then reappears, kind of floating around the Doctor's TARDIS. As the Doctor's TARDIS dematerialises... Adric has got into the TARDIS by this point, but he's being weird. He's not talking to anyone. He's just walked in, set the TARDIS on it on its way, and 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 that's it. Off they go. There, they've escaped the guards and so on. And then the Doctor starts talking about finding uh, this zero room, Dan, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He's and, and remarks on on Adric being, uh, being a bit strange um, because he just he sets the coordinates abruptly, buggers off. Doctor's looking for this zero room. Adric's making for his wanky. In the shed. Hmm. Um, and he finds the doctor unravelling Tom Baker's scarf and leaving it so he can find his way back. Because the whole sort of thing for the first, well, I suppose for the first three episodes of this is that the regeneration's not going very well. Hmm. And the doctor's um, a bit doodlally and, and the watcher has not done its job whatsoever. Yes, the uh, the regeneration might not stick properly, apparently. Um, the unravelling of the scarf... I liked this because that scarf is very symbolic with the previous doctor. And it's not just mm. a case of getting rid of the old, uh, the old outfit, I suppose the old costume for the, for the way it is. There's a purpose to this because we're walking around the TARDIS and it's made to, made to appear vast and huge with plenty of corridors and rooms and so on. The, the TARDIS, they're talking about finding the zero room, but it's such a big place. They don't know where it is. And this is what we mentioned again on, on, on our last episode about how we don't see this very often with regards to other areas of the TARDIS. And I hope that does, that does mm. come back in new who, but they're walking around and using, it's almost like the breadcrumbs, isn't it? From is it Hansel and Gretel? They do that with. Yeah. Yeah. That's yes. One. Yeah. So they can find their way yeah, back yeah, to yeah. the control room if needed, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, it's very clever. As you say, it's, it's one last sort of helpful act from Tom Baker's doctor in that his scarf and then, and then most of his clothes are, are being used to help the new doctor find his way. Mm. So I did, I did really like that, but and it just, but it just makes, it gives a narrative reason for the doctor to change his whole style as well. Cause in doing this, when he's looking back and looking around and he's having flashbacks to when he was Patrick Troughton and, and doing a fairly decent impression actually, <laughs> and then getting the mannerisms spot on. 
um, you know, calling Adric Jamie and all this, it then just makes it then makes narrative sense when he finds the clothes, but it doesn't explain why they were just stood out, uh, just put out for him. Yeah, they were just sold there, there. They? Yeah, yeah, it, it's a bit weird. Um, and he goes into this room, and it, he, you know, it looks like an old cricket pavilion or changing room. And then I think I can't remember if it's who goes in, which of the companions goes in. It's just a storage room, so it's it's like a sort of whatever you need it to be kind of room. Any given moment, which was uh, which was a bit strange. So, a couple of little sort of plot holes there, but it kind of falls by the wayside because it's the TARDIS and everything's weird. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the Doctor can't pilot or guide or fly the TARDIS at this point. He's off to the Zero Room to help get this this regeneration. Uh, I suppose getting it try and try and go through successfully. I suppose. Uh, I like the explanation of the zero room as well. It's completely shut off from outside noise, technology, and so on. So it's it, there's no distractions, there's no issues that may interfere with the with the doctor settling into his new regeneration. And yeah, it, like, it's complete calm. Yes, there you go. And and like you mentioned as well, Dan, there's there's a Hartnell impression, a Triton impression, and so on. I, I enjoyed all of that sort of stuff, and I love it when we do get those little nods back to the previous doctors when the doctor is regenerating, you know, when we, we, we've seen it in other doctor who stories where bits and bobs of previous doctors, uh, outfits, uh, are sort of shown or even tried on, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, we have. And well, the big one was in power of the doctor when the master regenerated into the, uh, basically into the doctor, uh, you know, swap bodies and, and the, uh, the, and the master was wearing all the, Stuff from the previous doctors that you can think yeah. of. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> that looked brilliant. Well, one thing I did like though, when he finds the cricket gear and he comes out with a cricket bat and he's he's playing a couple of shots in the mirror and like clipping it off to leg side and stuff like that. That, that popped me as a cricket fan. Um, but running alongside this as well, I quite like uh, Nissa. They didn't just leave it and follow the doctor. They kept cutting back to Nissa and Tegan trying to figure things out. Mm. Then re- realizing that there's a data bank and figuring out to get the index file. And the bound for uh, something called hydrogen in rush event one. So it's it, you've got all the stuff with the doctor, but you're, you're building another one sort of side by side, and it it just felt it felt decent. It was it, it was well paced. No, neither story outstayed its welcome very much at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tegan is also quite inventive here. She uses her lipstick to track a path to find the zero room, which is quite clever. Uh, drawing on the walls of the TARDIS and so on. And then they, when they finally do find the Zero mm. Room, it's, I mean, again, we've got to remember it's 40-odd years old television. So first of all, I think it looks great because you've still got the same yeah. TARDIS vibe of the, of the white walls and the sort of grey lighting. And then you've got this kind of pink, almost mauve kind of glow to it, which looked great as well. And then the Doctor says he doesn't need a bed and just starts floating. That doesn't look so good. But again, it's 40-odd years old television, so I think it deserves yeah. a bit of a pass, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It, it gets a pass. It, it looks good, and especially when you remember the Doctor Who budget compared to other sci-fi movies at the time. You know, sci-fi movies at the time had a much bigger budget. So, yeah, it definitely gets a pass. Um, I like the idea of the Zero Room as well, and, and it give, it just adds to the peril later on, and he's, he's sort of assigning jobs because the regeneration is going to be difficult, so he wants... Tegan to be the coordinator, and this is the um, sort of the technician, and and you know all the all the sort of technological side of it. And Adric's going to be the navigator, so he wants them all to pitch in and pilot the um, pilot the TARDIS. But he the uh, saying Adric is crucial, so I was a bit worried it was all going to be Adric centric. 
Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'll just turn it off. I think. <laughs> when in reality, he's um, the master's kidnapped him, and he's in some form of web. He's in some really weird sort of cable bondage getup, isn't he? In the master's TARDIS, and Adric yeah. in the Doctor's TARDIS yeah. is actually a projection. Um, and Adric does appear as, a, uh, and he's trying to warn them that this is the case. It's all a little bit like, okay, this is a bit. Uh, it sounds so silly to say because we're talking about science fiction and aliens and uh, time travel and all these you know, fantastical, crazy things. But this all seems a bit too much for me. It seems a bit silly. It's a touch, I think, convoluted. There you go, yeah. Is is the thing and, and a lot of it feels that way but i actually quite enjoyed quite enjoyed this i, mean, I could see the twist coming from a mile off that adric was going to be under the master's power somehow it makes a change from just being hypnotized i'll give him that the, yeah, they're trying something that. different you know they're trying something different at least um and it's as far as cliffhangers go it's a pretty bloody big one because they find out that event one uh, that's heating up the tardis to a ridiculous degree and and making everything go completely haywire is the first event they're effectively being dragged back into the big bang in an effort to blow up the TARDIS mm. yes and I like the way that we sort of get little little hints about the temperature as well because we initially just get some yeah. some some wobbly effects and then some steam and smoke and so on and then the lipstick that tegan used to guide her to the zero room and back to the control room is melting on the wall i thought that was a brilliant touch so they didn't need to do that they could have just gone oh yeah it's getting bloody hot in here and shown mm. them having a bit of a sweat on or whatever and putting the lipstick on i think it was just such a brilliant touch See, I like that, but earlier in the in the episode, the doctor sees the lipstick and freaks out because he thinks it's some sort of uh, like vital fluid leaking from the TARDIS. Right. <laughs> and is uh, but uh, so because the lipstick started melting, which makes perfect sense because it's heat. I kept looking at it, going, "Is it that stuff though? Is there more to it? Is there more to it?" And it's just never mentioned again, no. which is fine because it is just lipstick melting on a wall. It, it was yeah. just it just made me overthink it a little bit. But that's a main issue rather than issue with the episode. Um, the cliffhanger is obviously, you know, they're, they're heading towards this, you know, big bang event one type of effort. But we do get some real proper cheesy moments here at the end of the episode. Don't we? <laughs> the master appears on the monitor and he stands there literally, literally waving at them going, farewell, my friends. <laughs> and then the music hits and that's that. I could have done without that, I think. Yeah, but it was in the way that only Anthony Ainley can. Yeah, yeah, I guess it was. It was. It was a bit camp. It was a bit cheesy. It was a bit OTT. But I, even then, I was kind of like, "Oh, that's it's endearing." Mm. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it um, could have not been there. They could have just left it at that. But I think, uh, yeah, the master's little bye-bye wave was uh, was quite funny. Uh, part two begins with. Well, the doctor is coming out of the zero room. He knew, he knows there's some, he has to do something to fix what's going on, and a wheelchair just randomly rolls into his path, which is very convenient in a similar way to the, the the clothes being hung up for him, I guess. Yeah, it's just everything. But I think it's, I suppose it the um, the what they call it the uh, the zero room. Uh, I can tell I tell I'm hungover. Um, this, the room, I suppose, is, is like a medical facility, so it makes sense that there'd be sort of a medical supply cupboard 
because we see, you know, the medicine cabinet falls over, the doctor's trying to figure out a combination of drugs. Yeah. The wheelchair comes out. But one of the best things um, for me at the start of this episode was Nissa just looking at the master screen, I hate his face. <laughs> Do you know the history behind that? No, not at all. Right, okay. Um, when... Uh, we'll dive too much into it because we got you know, we got this story to talk about, and we'll no doubt cover that particular story uh, uh, in the future sometime. But effectively, the mm. face Anthony Ainley, the first time Anthony Ainley was the master, he was actually Nissa's dad when Nissa first debuted on the show. All right, and the master obviously has been without a body because of you know flaky manky master and issues with that sort of stuff and and all that. Yeah. and he effectively takes Nissa's dad's body so the ainley's master originally was nissa's dad in the first story i think it's keeper tracking maybe but again i'm I'm probably butchering trying to skip through it quickly for the purpose of trying to get back to our story but that's why she hates that face it's is anthony ainley is was originally playing nissa's dad and then in the same story became the master and so on so yeah Oh, nice. That obviously makes it a lot more personal. Yeah, I like that. Yes. Uh, obviously, he killed He killed her dad. And he also killed Tegan's auntie. So they've all got reasons to hate the dude. It's almost like he's a bit of a bastard. It is, isn't it? It is. But, you know, even though he's a bit of a bastard, I still reckon Adric would. <laughs> well, the master, the master, the master does what we've all wanted to do on this show at some point, And he has the power to mute Adric. Yeah, just to completely remove his power of speech. Yes. Oh dear. Um, the master is watching the TARDIS spin around as as they're sort of trying to sort out these issues. Um, again, it's nineteen eighty two. It's very late seventies, early eighties sci fi effects here. But I kind of loved it. Yeah, I think you have. I think you have to love it. It's- because it is going to look wonky and you just have to embrace it. Embrace the wonk. Embrace the wonk. <laughs> um, don't put don't put that on a t-shirt because people think it says embrace the wank and, or, or something even worse. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Nissa is now following instructions from the Doctor to try and... Um, well, following instructions, sorry, from the TARDIS uh, data banks and 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 the the information screen, which looks like a Commodore sixteen or of some description. It, it, it's very you know very home computer for the era. But I, again, nostalgia thing. I get a kick out of that as well. And the Doctor comes up with a plan of if you delete rooms from the TARDIS, it'll cause the thrust to escape the Big Bang. And he does this whilst also saying that you can reverse the polarity of the neutron flow, which is a throwback to Pertwee, which again is, is lovely. It's another, it's another throwback to an old Doctor whilst he's regenerating. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, I, I love that as well. I've, I've heard Pertwee say that, and then I think that's also cropped up in um, in modern, uh, modern Who as well. Uh, but, but a lot of this, uh, we were saying that they need to delete rooms to generate the power needed. It all comes back to um, Tegan, basically saying, like much like an airplane, they just need more thrust. Yeah. So she's effectively come up with the 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 basics of, of what will go on to be the plan. Um, you know, the, just all the while, Peter Davison's brain keeps going a bit shitty, and he's you know he's, he's still powering through the uh, through the regeneration. It's like me with a migraine, to be honest. I find like really big bloody brain farts in the middle of a sentence when I'm, when I'm that way out. But they end up needing to uh, to delete twenty five percent of the rooms to generate 
the seventeen thousand pounds of thrust needed to uh, to escape the event horizon of, of the big bang, but they don't know which twenty five percent mm-hmm. they'll go, and there's a danger that they'll get us in the control room, uh, con- not control room, the console room. Yeah, it, which, which again is just a little bit more peril to add to the tale, which again I quite enjoy. Um, whilst all this conversation is happening, I mean, the doctor also asks, Now, where were we, Joe? which is quite a nice touch back to Pertwee as well. But mm. the master at this point is asking if Adric will join him. And Adric, it turns out very quickly, we discover that Adric says, Yes, he will join and help, but he's trying to trick the master. That's there's no big, you know spoilers or plot plot parts to that it's just the way it is but the big thing i want to bring i take from that is when the master asked adric to join him and adric kind of just goes yeah okay without Mm -hmm. taking much convincing i didn't for a second doubt that he would actually do that because of adric's track record of helping the baddies against the doctor i was i just thought okay he's doing it again then the little shite you know (laughs) see this is the thing i've not really i've not seen any of that so i don't know (laughs) Uh, okay. I uh, I don't know how bad he gets. Um, it, I could be remembering it completely wrong. By the way, I could be. It could have snowballed in my head, the same as the Cybermen being terrifying in Silver Nemesis, and we watched it back, and they were actually kind of funny. It's just. It, 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 oh, sorry. I refuse to believe. I refuse to believe you've got anything other than a flawless memory. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, <laughs> the TARDIS does manage to blast away from the. Uh, the, the explosion, uh, wh- whatever it was that was going to cause them all this um, heat and death. And the TARDIS, the screen, then suggests a a, a simple place away from technology, uh, maybe even better than the Zero Room, we're told. And that place is Castrovalva. Yeah. And, and, and kudos on you, mate, for you pronouncing it much better than you did last week. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Castrovalva. Um, yeah, they find out about this planet, Castrovalva. Uh, Going to go visit it because it's a place of, of great healing and, and calm. And it's well, they need to because they've lost the zero room. It was part of the thing that got jettisoned. Yes. But what they're going to do is use the the doors and the few panels that remain to basically build a, a, a coffin for the Doctor to have a nap in, like some sort of Time Lord vampire. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah <laughs> they built this kind of strange tardis it's like a sort of single door wardrobe isn't it it's like they've gone to gallifrey and ikea and just got the bits they need <laughs> and, and, and knocked up something there for them you know gallikea gallikea yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's bizarre and it, it does come into play later but it, again it's it's just another thing that feels a touch it feels a touch on the convoluted side but i give it a pass because this whole thing's it's just kind of fun yeah isn't it no matter how silly it gets it, it it's still enjoyable yeah i mean something that was silly that i really enjoyed was tegan trying to fly and land the tardis as well because she lands it on the wonk doesn't she and that, that's great oh, that was great yeah i love that yeah it's, it's landed on its side on a hill and they have to climb out of it and but all the while the doctor's in these in his little zero room coffin and he's allegedly levitating himself, except for when his concentration dips. <laughs> and, they end, <laughs> and, they, and they end up dropping him. Oh, they, they use the wheelchair, though, don't they? I like this. They use the wheelchair um, because now they're, they're heading to, to, to you know this location where they want to be that's going to help the doctor and so on. 
and they put the um, sort of TARDIS coffin effort on the wheelchair, and then they're just mm. scooting him along, Tegan and this sort of scooting him along to where they need to be, through some nice, lovely woods. It seemed a very nice area, very lovely greenery. And um, then there's like a stream and a waterfall, and it, again, it all looks very nice. And then it all goes a bit pear-shaped, and the wheelchair ends up in the brook. Yeah, and it's a manky old bloody brook in it. Yeah, so, it reminded me of Gloucester, to be honest. It reminded me of Gloucester. <laughs> lots of greenery, lots, <laughs> lots of lovely scenery. But any stream or brook, and we've got streams and brooks everywhere, mate. Any, any stream or brook that you go by, there's always a shopping trolley, a wheelchair, a push bike, all that sort of stuff in there. So it did look like a, a bit like Gloucester, to be fair. Looking in and trying to figure out if that's a fish or a, or a passing turd. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Fishing for brown trout in the brook. Um, yeah, it is pretty funny, though. The, the, the one awful bit of water in there, and then Nissa going down in, in oh, was it Tegan, who climbed down the bank? I can't remember now. I think it might it's be Nissa. Nissa, yeah. Yeah, and she, she's in that, all that get-up, you know, all the dress in her get-up, and just goes straight in, and then for some reason there's a person that isn't Adric watching from the bushes as they try and fix the wheelchair yeah some dodgy dude having a little check out of Tegan and Nyssa um, they can the see bushes. their in the bushes they can see their destination and they decide to go and get help so they leave the doctor in a hedge <laughs> oh, at least he had a box to sleep in when he was in when he, at least at least he had a box to sleep in when he was in the hedge. I just fell asleep underneath one. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> they do. They just, they just sort of, oh, we'll put this kind of, you know, Ikea TARDIS coffin under a bush, put a couple of leaves on top of it. It'll be fine there. Let's go get some help. Um, they go try and find some help. Then they just come back and the doctor's gone. And I'm thinking, well, it kind of serves you right, really. That was pretty bloody stupid. Yeah, it's... It's one of those where they kill a bit of time and fill a bit of time with them walking around, trying to climb up, trying to find a way in here. They can't find it. So they all right, then we'll go back. So waste a bit more time and no doctor, but a spot of fresh blood. There is blood indeed. And that is the cliffhanger dun, at the dun, end of episode dun. two, isn't it? Uh, part three not, begins. Not quite, sorry, I was going to say not quite the gravitas have been flung into the big bang, but. No, no, no. Nissa's just got a little bit of blood on her finger. And that's like, oh no. Um, they follow the blood. There's a trail. They're following the blood to see where the doctor has gone to at the start of episode three. And then there's lots of fluffy people following them and watching them. Yeah. They've got some very, um, very flamboyant like sort of headdresses on and everything, haven't they? Mm, yeah. Um, they see the Doctor, who is climbing some rocks to try and get up to this castle, which is the location they want to be in. And um, they're then caught, and they're took inside this the, the the sort of stones or the structure that the castle is set up set upon. And um, no, the Doctor is caught. Sorry, isn't he? And Nissa and Tegan are yeah, basically is, just left yeah. outside. Yes. And then yeah, the they're, watching, they're watching him get taken. Yes, that's right. Yes, and they're, they're in some kind of banquet hall now. I think is kind of how I would describe it. Yeah, there's definitely civilization. Um, there's people milling around. There's food. There's obvious architecture going on, and everybody, as it happens, is rather civilized. Yeah. Um, and it, the whole the whole hunting thing was part of a new religion that's been dreamt up called exercise. I don't think it'll catch on myself. I don't either, mate. I don't either. Sounds incredibly overrated and silly. Um, 
<laughs> we meet the librarian who and again we're gonna get into a situation now where i butcher names so please bear with me uh shardavan is that correct yep shardavan right Shard. okay there we go and uh, there's um a meal and so on and this is where the, the doctor picks up a piece of celery and says oh definitely civilization then because they've got celery i mean his his criteria for a civilized race is set quite low at this point i feel just a bit, but it, I did it did get a pop out of me seeing um, sort of the first time we see this doctor with the sort of iconic celery that he carries around. I, I know why he, yeah, you know, I know why he has it in the future because it turns a different shape, a different colour in the present. There's presence of certain gases and and all the rest of it because we saw that in one of the one of the episodes we've covered. But yeah, yeah just that one little thing. It feels like a bit a bit of foreshadowing or something, you know. It, uh, it got a chuckle anyway. I forgot to mention as well with the um, with the hunters. Uh, one of those hunters was uh, one of the sort of perennial extras in uh, in Doctor Who. Um, it's uh, Sai Tan. Okay, brilliant. We've mentioned before. Yeah, he's uh, come along for another for a go on Castro Valva. Oh, we love our reoccurring characters, don't we? Our reoccurring actors. Sorry. We do. Yeah. Yeah. With the, uh, get your Pat Gorman Appreciation Society T-shirts available through T. Public now, indeed, indeed. Um, interestingly enough, apparently, according to certain reports, uh, Davison absolutely despises celery. Can't stand the texture of it, and so on. So when he had to yeah. eat it, he, he thought it was disgusting. But they still kept. I don't, I don't think they needed to keep it in the scene. But uh, to me, if I was writing or producing a TV show, and my my lead actor basically says I hate this, I'm going to leave it in just to be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like I remember a star. I can't remember who. The director or the, the showrunner was, but remember two pints of lager and a packet of crisps. Yes. So when that was when that was being made, I think going into the third or fourth season, they've got one. They've done like a musical special, and yeah, the, I the the showrunner did that purely because they found out that everybody in the cast had some form of like musical training or you know musical theatre training. So she just wanted to put it in the show, and none of them were particularly up for it. <laughs> But I had to go along with it anyway because it was in the contract. Oh, Sheridan Smith wearing a dress made of pasties. It's the stuff of dreams, isn't it? Well, I don't want a dress. No, no. Okay, outfit then. Very small outfit. But yeah, stuff of dreams, mate. Stuff of dreams. Anyway. Um, be right be right back. Just have to do an Adric impersonation. <laughs> I watched it back a little while ago, actually. Um two points just that one scene yeah exactly and then when i was when i was younger i mean because it's like it's like 20 odd years old now isn't it so when i was like in my early 20s i had a massive thing about sheridan smith in this particular program now watching it back as an adult i still was as an older adult then shall we say i still have an appreciation for miss smith she is she's a lovely looking lady but the last who plays donna has gone right up in my estimations (laughs) join us next week on who gives si a bonus Uh, anyway, um, Portive arrives. Portreeve. Portreeve. Okay. Um, did you twig straight away that this is obviously the master? Uh, it took me longer than I would like to admit, but I was watching the these last two episodes when I'd had a migraine. Ah, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Um, My, migraine, wa- migraine watch. Yeah, hung over talking about it. This is going fucking swimmingly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he did a good job playing the portrait. 
Yeah, I thought so. so. It, yeah. He, uh, he sold it quite well, and you know, got shard of knocking about, being a bit, being a little bit weird and sinister, and uh, and, and this Murgrave fella comes into it. It's, it's all setting up nicely. He's, uh, it's when the poor Reeve shoot. He's like, he's sort of just sneaking about, and it's like, oh god, if they knew, if they knew I was up, they'd make me join the feast and all that. And he, then he shows up like fucking Dumbledore. Yeah, like just when when uh, Shardavan's been a bit shady, and he's uh, just giving you know some old men seldom sleep Shardavan, and oh, all right, all seeing, all knowing, weird old fella. Mm, indeed. <laughs> um, outside, Tegan and Nissa are climbing the rocks in some very big heels. Again, your outfits aren't practical, ladies. Get changed. And a ladder um, is... A rope a rope ladder is thrown over the top to help them, which is which is great for them, isn't it? Yeah, convenient. Convenient. But, you know, I think uh, someone from Castrovalva must have seen them because they get taken in and they're saying, oh, my God, they must be superhuman to have climbed up all of that. Because, mm. again, apparently these people don't understand exercise. They're the more, more cerebral. Yeah, there we go. Uh they demand to see the doctor pretty much straight away. Um, the doctor is is in his own room now. He's been given his own his own room to sort of rest and, and so on. And again, everything seems lovely. These people seem nice and they want to help and so on. Uh, and Adric appears in the doctor's room as this kind of vision kind of thing. And obviously this is something that he's, he's able to do. He's able to project himself uh, into this mm. scenario. And again, it just got me thinking, I bet he's done that into Tegan's room when she's changing. Well, he can only do that when he's hooked up to the machine, but yeah, probably. It's uh, ju- it's just, he, he just then goes and watches the Doctor sleep, which I bet he's done in real life. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> and just goes, for, just goes for a wander, doesn't he? And then, you know, the portrait has been showing off this like magical tapestry as well, that you can see like bits and pieces that are happening now or are going to happen in the future and, and stuff like that. It's, and then you've got Tisser Negan, Tisser Negan, Negan, Tegan and this. <laughs> Tissa and Negan, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, wrong show. It's Negan, wrong show. Bloody hell. It's not Jeffrey Dean Morgan in Walking Dead. <laughs> I've never seen uh, that. <laughs> shock. Uh, but, the, you know, they're arguing about whether they should tell the Doctor about Adric's disappearance, but all uh, all Nissa wants to do is go get some books on telebiogenesis. Um, you know, convenient that one of the characters is a librarian. Wow, it is. It is indeed. Um the doctor can't remember Adric. He keeps saying, "Oh, there's three people," but he keeps saying, "You know, Tegan, Nissa, and then can't remember the third name. Someone's missing." And I thought to myself, "Yeah, this is great. Let's run with this. You know, let's keep it. <laughs> <laughs> let's keep it like this. That I can cope with this. You know." Yeah, just keep Adric out of it. He, he's, he's gone. You don't need him. <laughs> but then he remembers Adric. Yeah. Then he That's remembers him. So it's like, well, that's, that's burst my bubble there. Uh, he goes to. Yeah, well, did you see? Well, did you clock how they got to that? Remembering Adric. No. Because the, the little girl in the courtyard is helping him count to three and beyond, and he just says, "Ah, oh, you deserve a badge for mathematical excellence." Oh. And, yeah. he, just, and he just goes, "Oh, Adric." Like, who the fuck is ever going to say that to a child? Oh my word! Yeah, it was it was shit. It was shit. Um, the doctor then he's got it in his head. He has to leave. But every time he goes down some stairs and a corridor and so on, it loops back on itself. And I love stuff like this. You know, yeah. you get it in horror movies, and you've seen it in in Doctor Who, as, in You Who as well, haven't you? With situations like this as well. Yeah, the Haunting of the Lydia Doubt. We looked at a couple of a season or two back, um, the Jodie Whittaker episode where they kept 
you know, they kept walking in one door and, and reappearing where they'd just been and, and all of that. I, mm. I really like anything like that. It's it's subtle, but then when you figure it out, it's terrifying because the whole place is like uh, like an M.C. Escher drawing. Yes. It, it's, you know, it's, there's ones where all the stairs are going up at odd angles and, yeah, it's brilliant. We've, you know, we've doctor figured out that space has been folded in on itself. Yeah, the whole place is is a mess, isn't it? And we get we discover that it's a space time trap, and the doctor yeah. is affected by this, so he has to go back to his room. It's messing with his his regeneration again, but the zero coffin has gone now. Yeah, the uh, he can't hide from the recursive occlusion, which you know we all know that a zero casket would would help with that. But of course, yeah, it was. Uh... I tell you what, though, the effects that they put on it, I appreciate the effort and they look good for the time, but they were very hard to look at as a migraine sufferer. I was literally about to say about the effects at the end for the cliffhanger of the, of the third part, because it is, it's like the same bits of video spliced into each other and people walking in one direction and appearing in another, and then it all loops around. And I imagine with yourself having a migraine at this point, it was horrific. But from my standpoint, watching it, I thought it looked great. Again, it's forty-two years old television. It looked fantastic. Yeah, it, it did. It did look good. I mean, it gets a bit ropey in the next episode um, when it's all starting to break down. But it was a bit rough on the old noggin uh, coming out of a coming out of a migraine. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. But you know, that's just a personal thing. It's it's, uh, it's not going to um, you know it's not going to affect everybody. Mm. Um, the final episode of this four-parter begins with Nissa and Tegan uh, popping off to see Portreeve to find out what's going on with the Doctor's coffin and, and so on. Um, the Doctor has a load of books from the librarian, and they're history books. They're the history of, of this place, and one of them is a 500-year-old book, and the Doctor takes a page out of it, and I'm thinking, that's a bit rude, mate. <laughs> Yeah, five hundred year old book, priceless tome on the history of the planet that whose inhabitants are looking to heal you. You might be in a trap, but come on. Yeah, and he's ragging pages out of it. That's a bit disrespectful. Yeah. yeah. Oh dear. Um, we do find out though that there's there's a guide who's who's taking Nissa and Tegan around. He doesn't notice the occlusion, so when he's looking out, he can see the water tower. But they see um, a group of women sorting clothes out, and they're using the zero cabinet. Yes, they've been hiding it in plain sight. <laughs> Uh, there's some brilliant, brilliantly bad moments in this now as well. Um, again, I'm not slagging it off because we'll get to our you know, conclusions and our final summaries in, in a few moments, no doubt. But I'm not slagging it off because I, I did actually enjoy this. But there's some moments I just thought, man, that's just silly. Um, what I but did it gets get... a pass somehow, doesn't it? This is the yeah, thing. That's, yeah, it's, it's weird. It, the, it's... Whole thing, the whole thing is, is quite entertaining and, and it's all so intriguing. Yeah. You just want to find out what happens so, so you're able to look past the silly. And it, I suppose it sort of draws that, it rides that line quite well of, of how silly sort of Doctor Who should be, if that makes sense. Like we've said about some of the specials that have happened recently, it's the right kind of silly at the right time in the right context. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Uh, I like the way the Doctor gets Margrave, I think it is, isn't it? Who's a pharmacist. Yeah. yeah, he's a pharmacist, and he draws a map on um on this board and asks him to draw where his pharmacy is and yes. he points it out on four separate locations uh, i love that because then he's starting to show people in this world that something isn't right about this world i love that reveal but then there's a huge fuss outside the door lots of noise and carrying on and they go out there and the, the this line i've got no idea what this means they go out there and 
it, it's the ladies who have been doing the washing and so on. And again, I think it's uh, Margrave, the, the pharmacist. He basically shouts, why are all these women here? Is this a holiday? It's like, yeah, what, sort of holiday, what, what sort of holidays do you go on, mate? Is this, you know, this is <laughs> Well, ones that Adric would like. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it's a, it's a bizarre line. And it's, you know, the, the, the group of people out there are making the noise to distract them are obviously there because the, the, somebody's, whoever sprung the trap is realising that it's, it's on the verge of being exposed, mm-hmm. I think. But yeah, it, it was a bizarre line from Murgrave. Um, and then he comes, but then they seem to forget that he's asked him for quiet. And then he goes out and he's shouting about it again. It's like, for God's sake. Um, but I do, yeah, I love that visual representation of, of Castro Valva and the and Murgrave, and then the the guide who was taking uh, Tegan and Nissa uh, to, to the library or to see the Portreeve, um, having to do that again. You know, mark up the Portreeve's house. Yes. Just yeah, so simple but so effective. There's also the thing about the books, isn't there? I mean, Tegan and Nyssa, um, they, they get the um, the time coffin back and they are carrying it back to where they want it to be. The Doctor's not in it, though. Um, but, well, no, they're, not, sorry, they're carrying it to a different location and the Doctor's not going to get in, but they're, they're misleading everyone thinking that he is in the in the coffin, aren't they? And, well, not, not quite yet, because they, they do take it back to, they do go to take it back to his room. Right, Yes. And, and that's why they do a really good job here of um, of making of, put, of sort of putting questions around Shardaban, saying is he evil, is he innocent, and it, it, that had me going right up until sort of near the end. It's mm. um, they did, this episode did a really good job of that, and that's why they're doing all the you know the map and and, and all of those bits. It's uh, yeah, really clever. But then it's then that they end up leaving the. Um, leaving the doctor's room and having this weird procession with the with the zero coffin. Yeah. For some reason, Shardavan's at the front with somebody else. Then Tegan takes over, and but all the like random citizens are following them for some reason, like it's some sort of parade. Yeah. Yeah. It was odd. Yeah. It was very yeah, but it all does feel odd, and I like that because. That they were nice and accommodating and trying to help, but then there's also that slight oddness to them. It makes it creepy, a bit sinister. Yeah, without going full on, it's almost like a subtle mm. sinister in a way. If that makes sense. Well, yeah, it's like that. It's I think it's, it's a bit of a horror movie trope, and, and we've actually seen it in, in Modern Who something similar in Modern Who that springs to mind. Um, it's like in Peter Capaldi's first episode when he goes to visit Clara in the restaurant. And sat there, and you know everybody's going about the business, but then they look a little bit closer, and people aren't actually eating. It's yeah. just all robots going through the motions and making it look like a functioning restaurant that you wouldn't notice unless you actually really sort of pay attention. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. what it felt like. Really good stuff, and really clever. Mm. Um, the books as well. We get the the reveal here about what's almost kind of helping the doctor along with with, with you know, discovering something's not quite correct here and it's Shadowman. well yes and <laughs> he's talking about the books and saying well how do they go up to present day if they're 500 years old 
And again, it's I think, oh, interesting. It's got the complete history, hasn't it? You know, so that's that's a clever little touch there. And then this, yeah, yeah. And, and then this this is effectively then where we get the reveal, isn't it? Yeah. So Shadavan's been suspecting it because because he's more intelligent, effectively. He's then noticing that things are wrong, mm. but he can't quite figure it out because he's still part of the deception. So I, I thought that was really good, and then. At this point, we've got Murgrave presenting the zero casket to the Portreeve, who says it's a matter to consult the tapestry about. Uh, um, Shardavan can't see the spaceship at anomaly, but he's going to take the Doctor a back way to to get to where he needs to be. And it's one sort of minor criticism I have of this is up until this point, I've been enjoying this and been looking forward to the big reveal and all that. I'm just a bit sad that it all ends quite abruptly. But the, the the story itself, you mean? Yeah, the, the story itself. Yeah, right, yeah. Okay. It, it's just the thing is, I don't know how you'd extend it anymore. That's the problem. So I'm kind of caught in two minds, thinking I want to see more of this, and, and I wanted a bit more, you know, for all this big elaborate plan. It's then a very, a relatively simple resolution. Mm. Yeah. Then okay. I don't know how you'd make that. I can't think of how I'd make that any better. But anyway, at least you know at this point, it's still it's still really really good. And you know, Shardavan is, is now revealed to be a, a good guy, and, and then we get the uh, the big reveal that the Portreeve is the, has been the master all along. Right now, this reveal, it, it is what it is. It, again, it's forty plus year old television. The special effects are a bit wobbly and so on, but that's fine. That's not what I've got an issue with. Mm-hmm. The issue I have is. It's that hiding in plain sight kind of thing, I suppose. They're obviously trying to pull the wool over people's eyes with Portreeve being the master. He is, he is Anthony Ainley. Mm-hmm. But to me, straight away, I got, that's Anthony Ainley. That's the master. I didn't. Okay. Admittedly, I was watching, like I said, I was watching it when my, my brain wasn't quite engaged, but I have got a track record. God on this sort of thing because I sat through the entire nineties um, Dracula film and didn't realise until the last fifteen minutes that Dracula was being played by Gary Oldman. Brilliant. <laughs> so. um, the reveal for me though, yeah, it almost doesn't fit what they've done because it's the master. It's Anthony Ainley dressed up. He has mm. white eyebrows stuck on, white hair, white beard, and all this sort of stuff. So it's practical effects in a way. It's makeup and a costume. Yeah. So if you've gone to that trouble, to me, I, I, in my head, I'm thinking, take the disguise off, rip it off, and be like, like almost Scooby Doo esque. Ha it's me all along. That, that yeah. sort of thing, you know? Or just have a different actor playing Portreeve if you're going to use the wibbly wobbly special effects and fade the master in because you're, you're, you're effectively fading Anthony Ainley with white hair out to fade in Anthony Ainley with dark hair in as the master, and that's your reveal. I just found it a bit of a, a bit of an odd way to go about it, considering how they've how they've portrayed the master or Portreeve in the previous episodes, and they're obviously trying to keep it, you know, uh, not again hiding in plain sight. I suppose. I mean, even with regards to to the the the, the, the casting of it on in the in the credits and so on, um, Portreeve was uh, credited to being played by Neil Toyne, which is an anagram of Tony Ainley. Which again, I, I love stuff. Like that. It's really well That's done. Brilliant. But it's that thing of I don't need the wibbly wobbly special effects and the, the sort so of fading in and out. It's like just just 
I think it would have worked so much better if you're having Ang Lee as Portreeve and not a different actor. So different here's my, here's actor, my so genuine different, explanation of that. Different actor, use the effect, sound. Anthony Ang Lee playing it, great, worked really well, but then just pull the mask off sort of thing, you know? So my explanation of that is, and I suppose this is kind of one of those things where I'm just pulling something out of my ass, but right. the entire thing with Castrovalva is that it's a spatial distortion and projection and mind control that's all assisted by Adric. Yeah. Because the master's found a way to harness his, his brain and, and the mathematical genius within. Adric can effectively project his consciousness to wherever it wants to be, you know, linked to the doctor somehow, be whatever psychically. I think the whole thing is of the portrait even whatnot is tied to that. And that's why they went with the effects and, and the flickering and whatnot is that it's a, a projection that Adric was forced to make of the portrait over Anthony Ainley. And that's why once they finally, once Anthony Ainley, once the master finally lets that drop, that's when you get the flickering. Okay. And that's where that comes in. Okay. That was my read on it anyway. Fair enough. That makes sense. I'll get you. Because when, because when, when Adric, later on, spoiler alert, but later on in this, when Adric gets removed from the machine, the whole thing starts collapsing. Mm. So that's sort of my justification for it. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, the master is here and he sees the doctor <laughs> in the tapestry. Oh, he makes himself look a div. Yeah, he, he smashes the um, the the zero room coffin, and this we all know it's it's cheap BBC props knocked up from whatever they can find hanging around the back of you know the, the storage cupboards from Blue Peter or whatever. But this looked like when you take a wood chip wardrobe out your house and just smash it in the garden. It just looked yeah, it looked crap, didn't it? Let's be honest. It did, and, and the whole thing for me that annoys me is the master that is a genius, like the doctor rivaling genius, and he doesn't know about the zero rooms and, and how the materials work, which is bizarre because he's, he's flown artists. You'd think mm-hmm. he'd know that. And then when Nissa outright tells him how it works, he just looks at her and says, well, no, fuck you, I'm going back to my crowbar. She's there telling him, as we all know, that Zero structures only open from the inside due to strong force interaction. It's it's day one shit. Mm. And he just shoves her and tells her not to make a fool of him, takes the crowbar back to the casket and makes a fool of himself. Yeah. Um, is it a crowbar? It looked like some sort of weird no, kind whatever of... it was. It was it was a bit of metal that he was using to try and lever it up, and I just thought I just called it a crowbar. It looked like a kind of torch crossed with a dildo. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It did though, didn't it? <laughs> Hang on a minute, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have a go on myself, but I really want to see what's over there. <laughs> <laughs> Torch dildo for people who want to get off but are scared of the dark. Um <laughs> Why does that why does that feel like a why does that feel like a range of branded sex toys that Jack Hartness would have tried to come up with? <laughs> My junior uh, probably just called it Torchwood. Yeah, Torchwood. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> uh, uh, he smashes the, the coffin, as we said. Um, 
Shardavan at this point then smashes the web thing to get Adric away from it. Yeah, he's he's skulking up in the rafters and he's got hold of a chandelier. But the uh, the say like the Hadron power lines are lethal to the touch, and the Doctor's doing a selfless thing and offering him in, himself in exchange for Adric. Dickhead. Um, and Shardavan effectively breaks the Master's hold and says you made us man of evil but we are free and, and just swings on the chandelier right into the web that's holding Adric and somehow managed to destroy it without killing Adric as well mm. although I think the doctor runs in after him doesn't he and uh, yeah, yeah, him out. Well, yeah one thing I did like was that the master just climbed into the fireplace and it turned out that that was his TARDIS that was cool I really enjoyed that yeah that was brilliant uh, I really like that and everybody has to run because without the the sustaining web the effectively the the building that they're in, or like the, the mountaintop city, is going to fold in on itself and into nothing. Yeah, because that's the whole point of this, isn't it? We, we, we basically, the whole plot is that now the Master has used Adric to program the TARDIS computer to head to the event one. Yeah. On the premise that it would then lead to the Doctor needing to come to Castrovalva. Which again is also programmed into the con- into the console by Adric for them to then die in this weird mind city that they've created. It's, and- sorry, it's a really convoluted backup plan because mm. there's every chance that the Doctor and the, compa- and the companions would have died in the in event one, you know, in that in, in the Big Bang and you know, been blown to smithereens. Every chance that would have happened, but he thought instead of saying, "Well, what's my backup plan?" And going, well, suppose I could blow it up there and then. He's gone, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put this fake entry into the databanks of the TARDIS for Castro Valva. Because if the Doctor lives, then he's going to be in the regeneration. It's going to be going wrong, so he's going to have to go to the Zero Room. And it's like, Jesus Christ, what was he on when he came up with that plan? Yeah, I mean, if he's, got, if he's able to sort of control Adric at the very beginning... Mm. You know, he's got Adric in there pressing buttons and so on. So he's obviously got some kind of physical projection of Adric there pressing buttons and doing what he needs him to do. He can affect what's around him. Why doesn't Adric just use the big torch dildo and just smash Davison's face in there and then? And it, and it's game over, isn't it? Well, no, because he just regenerate again. Um, oh, well, I know it because if the, if the time rod's killed within the first so many hours of regeneration, it's permanent. But yeah, anyway, oh. Wind is in there, just set the TARDIS to self-destruct. Yeah. Yeah, it could be like that. There's got to be something there. It just it didn't need to be that level of of, of complex. It's a bit like um it reminded me of the children in need special when Rowan Atkinson played the doctor. It was like right. the, what was it, the curse of final death or something like that? Where him and the where the doctor and the master just keep saying Ah, I knew you'd do that, so I went back in time even further, and I did this. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know all of that, and then the master spends nine, spends three hundred years crawling through sewers, and uh, <laughs> somehow gets there again, and it's it's oh, it's just madness. But it, it had that effect, but not it had that sort of feeling to me, but not in a not in a wholly negative way. Mm. Um, this was the point that when it's all collapsing in on itself, that the pixelation and the sort of the chopped up Picasso look was was very hard to look at after. Uh, after a migraine, although the upside, the bit where they were like running upside down, uh, did remind me of the old Muppet Show intro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
so I enjoyed oh, that. Dear. Um, Adric, of course, can see a way out because he has designed this place and guides people away. The master can't escape because people are grabbing him now, even though he was in his TARDIS. So they did explain that. Um, okay. The TARDIS can't get away because the space is folding in. Ah, so the okay, effectively, yes. The master's effectively trapped him. He's fallen for his own trap. Um, he can't get away from the space because the space is folding in and tightening. Um, so he tries to run away through the same means as... as the, the doctor and his crew, but the people who he's been manipulating drag him back in, and Murgrave stops and holds the master back in self-sacrifice, and then the uh, the whole thing disappears, and the TARDIS crew have a nice walk back to the uh, back to the TARDIS. Well, most of them do. Ad- <laughs> Adric doesn't. Adric is well. Apparently, the scene did call for Adric to look, you know, roughed up and unwell and so on because of what he's gone through but it wasn't accomplished by the acting talents of uh, <laughs> the uh, of uh, Mr. Warthouse. It was accomplished by him being hungover as fuck. Apparently, he got absolutely tanked the night before. And <laughs> <laughs> when you look back and watch this final scene as they're walking back to the TARDIS through these woods, knowing that he's hungover and tanked, or, you know, he's a mess, it becomes apparent even more so when you're looking for it because he's white as a sheet. He's He's leaning against stuff looking rough and there's a moment yeah. when tegan and the doctor have a conversation apparently uh mr waterhouse had to take himself around the back of the tree that he was just slumped against to throw up but the rest of the actors <laughs> carried on talking <laughs> to be able to get the scene recorded and so on which i thought was just brilliantly silly and amazing well we've all been there mm. indeed yeah. i've been there having to take yourself off during a day at work to have a bit of a tactical chunder Yes. <laughs> uh, but there we go. That is Castro Volva. Dan, final thoughts? I really enjoyed this. As I say, it's, it's the right it's the right brand of silly in the right context. There, there's a lot that could be that could sort of not work and just be a bit naff and, and, and all the rest of it. But for me, it's decent. Um it's actually what I've, to be honest, I was looking back over what we've watched so far and I'm kind of judging it on would I go back and watch this over X, you know, over what we've watched before? And I would probably go back and watch Castro Valva before a good chunk of what we've watched already this series. Okay, interesting. So, yeah, I really liked it at the minute. It's, um, at the minute, it's occupy, probably occupying uh, Champions League places in the, uh, the, final, uh, the final league table. Why? Okay. Um, for me, it was good without being spectacular. Yeah. It it was uh, you explained it really well to be honest uh, a, a little while ago when you said that it kept you intrigued enough to keep watching there was enough going on to keep you interested without it being you know a horror of fang rock or um genesis of the daleks holy shit i must watch the next one it was like, oh, okay that was all right let's watch the next one it's that sort of vibe to it for me mm. um the master's a bit of a knob at times, isn't he? Let's be honest with his ridiculous over the top plans. He makes himself seem a bit silly for someone who's supposed to be a genius. It's a bit wily coyote. Yeah. Yeah. Adric is just an absolute bellend. We, I, I can't stand the kid. Um, Tegan and Nissa are great though. I always enjoy them. They're, they're, they're fantastic companions. Yeah, I feel. Um, 
I don't think we we we've, we've said enough about them. To be fair. They were really both really strong in these in this serial mm. and consistently strong as well. Because um, obviously they had to do the bulk of the heavy lifting in terms of the story and progression and whatnot. And uh, without the Doctor or Adric, so it was nice to see companions uh, not just given the damsel in distress moment or, or made stupid when they needed when they were needed to be. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, overall I, I i really enjoyed it um i would go back and watch it again i think mm. but at the same time i know there's stuff out there that is much better this is uh, I, I, you use the champions league places as in like a football league table kind of ranking there for me this is probably upper mid table i guess okay but yeah we'll see uh, i'm not a fan as you know of episodes being took up by the doctor feeling the effects of a regeneration mm. i don't like that very much I, I don't know i can't explain why it's just it's just always been a bugbear of mine here though it's probably the most extreme it's been in classic who up to this point with the regenerations from you know hartnell to triton triton to pertwee pertwee to baker and so on here it's probably been the most dramatic it's been but i felt this went better than i expected with regards to that aspect of it so i was i was more okay with this watching it this time around than i have been in the past so but yeah, overall oh, overall pretty good pretty good enjoyed it mate yeah good and uh yeah that was uh picked for us by uh by sarah at Turd ferguson on twitter and next week before you ask because i know you're gonna what are uh, we doing next week <laughs> we're heading into some new who in fact we've got a couple of weeks now of new who we just uh, come to... to new who yeah, we're right back into it. Um, we're going to the Matt Smith era, and we're doing the two-parter, uh, The Hungry Earth and Cold Blood. Ah, you remember interesting. Those? I do. Is that... Oh, let me think. Hungry Earth, Cold Blood. No, go on, remind me. Uh, it's when they end up in uh, in a little village in Wales, and there's a mining project going on, so we get a big drill. Um, and... And it's the uh, the return of the Silurians. Okay. I was thinking of something completely different. I don't even know what I was thinking, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no change there, then. No, not at all, mate. Not at all. Uh, okay, before we go then, Dan, do you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can find yourself online? I'm over on Twitter at DanGriffin21, usually tweeting an incomprehensible amount of bollocks about various topics. Uh, if you want to hear more of me talking about stuff, head over to unbooking their territory at utt podcast on twitter where we look at the first and last of professional wrestling and we have a number of side projects uh, unbooking the tank sorry we will look at the life and times of the in-ring career of tank abbott uh, we've got unbooking the territory where we look at the uh, the being the elite uh, championship changing hands either by gate to golf or coming up for season two in the variety of clubhouse games and, and competitions uh, that they did there and we've got Unstacking the Dadatory, where we're looking at match by match of what survives of the run-up to Wembley 1981, when 18 million people tuned in to, sit there to watch Big Daddy versus Giant Haystacks uh, on FA Cup final day. Uh, I'm also on SJP World Media, where I do the volley with my strike partners, the magnificent Matt Lewis and Connor from Connor. Oh, God, I always stumble over some part of my outro. It's, it's <laughs> Matt Lewis and Connor from Connor Knows Footy, where we do alternative commentary for Premier League games and beyond. 
wonderful stuff mate wonderful stuff uh, anything i'm involved in as always you can find via the network that carries this show that's at sjp world media on facebook twitter uh, and all your podcast players platforms and providers spotify apple you know pod whatever they're, they're, it's all over the place it's all over the place youtube as well for your live shows there we have shows covering pro wrestling covering football covering music all sorts going on television whatever so much going on there make sure you're following at sjp world media and most importantly you can find and follow this show itself on facebook and twitter at the doctor who pod that's at the drwhopod at the doctor who pod ah uh, lovely stuff mate i'm going now then i enjoyed that Next week, Matt Smith. Yeah, next week, Matt Smith. I'm going to go for a for a lie down and shift the last of this hangover. Good stuff, mate. Good stuff. Uh, I'll speak to you next week then. And to everyone else, as always, thank you for listening. To this day, the Doctor wonders why the desk in Adric's room, the, the underside of it, looked like the roof of a cave. Dear Lord. <laughs> oh, dear me. <laughs> it's the end, but the moment has been prepared for. I don't want to go. That was a nice nap. Now, down to business.